Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're talking about the hustle. We're talking about the grind. We're talking about what it takes to really get a game done. And we're talking to Carla Kopp, a BGDL listener, a friend, somebody I follow on Twitter. And I'm excited about your game. you got a cool game called Stellar Leap that's even on Kickstarter right now. Carla, you are a, a hustler. That's why I'm excited to talk to you today. And welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sorry about the rain. It is pouring down here in Honduras right now. So if you hear something in the background sounds like static, that is just the rain beating down on my roof. And so sorry about that. Hopefully it'll lighten up here in a minute, but I got no promises. It's been raining for days on end, it seems like. But uh, Carla, gosh, again, I follow you on Twitter. I feel like I've watched your game kind of go through this really cool process of the play testing and the design process. And, and now it's on Kickstarter. It's funded. Congratulations on the funding. And it just seems like you have tapped in to how to get things done, how to hustle, how to make all this stuff come together. But let's get your bio. Let's get your background. I know you're from Alabama. I'm from Alabama. And so that's kind of cool to, to meet somebody else from, you know, they're just living in the state right now. But how did you get into games? How did you, did you get into game design, all that good stuff? So I started the whole um, board gaming stuff with Magic first. I know like a lot of people, they started just playing Magic. Um, at some point, I just started getting into board games. I think well, actually when I moved down to Huntsville and I needed to make friends and board games, like that's really how you make friends in a town like this. Um, so I went there and then um, I didn't get into the game design until much later. I got into it because I was at Dragon Con, which is this huge convention in Atlanta. Um, I had some spare time, and I was just, like, looking at the different lists of stuff to do. And one thing was how to design a board game. And I was like, well, I like board games, and, and I'm free right now. I might as well just go watch the panel, listen, maybe learn. Like, when I went there, I had no intentions of actually designing a board game, but... They talked and they were like so passionate about designing games and they made it sound so easy. Like the the one like main thing I remember was uh, the person that was leading it was like, you just need some note cards and an idea and you can make a game. And so I even had note cards like for some reason. I don't know why, but um, Atlanta is about four hours away. So in that four hour drive, we made Super Hack Override or like a really terrible prototype of it so yeah and like I went from there and I just I just loved it after that like I've just kept to it yeah that's awesome now super hack override was your first game that you published through kickstarter right yes and you created this game company called weird giraffe games tell me how the how did weird giraffe games come about okay so one thing is is that I'm just absolutely terrible at naming things. <laughs> like, since you follow me, you'll probably notice where I'm like, hey, guys, I really need some help. I need to name a thing, and I'm bad. <laughs> I have just acknowledged this at this point because uh, I first wanted the name of the company. I was like, it should be Okapi Games with my name in it. And, you know, like, do you know what an Okapi is? No, what is it? Oh, okay, so it's this... Uh, it's the only relative to the giraffe. It lives in the forest. It's like this weird, like, kind of long-necked big horse thing that has, like, a zebra butt. Okay. Like, 
it is really cool. Like, I love it. Like, well, I also, um, I love animals. So I was like, okay, everyone is going to understand this name. It's going to be great. They're going to know that I'm Carla Cop, and they're going to know when El Copy is, and they're going to be like, yeah, that's fantastic. And when I presented it to people, I just got the blank looks. (laughs) And (laughs) it was... Okay, like, I get really excited about things, and I was so excited, and they didn't get it, so I was like, okay, I'm going to make a logo, and then they'll understand. And I made this logo in paint, because that's how I make logos, sure. um, like, pixel by pixel. And I made the logo, and they're like, yeah, I don't understand at all. So I was like, well, I have this logo. You know what no copy is? It's a weird giraffe. <laughs> so I put the... Um, the logo with the weird draft games, and they were like, okay, sure. Um, of the four of us that started weird draft games, I am, you know, the one that's, like, super passionate and super into it. Um, at this point, it's only two people, um, me and Nick, and people just let me do what I wanted, basically. Because, like, can you really say no to me when I'm like, weird draft games, <laughs> it's a great name, right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, the passion, one thing I've learned is passionate people who are confident, they get things done and people want to be a part of what they're doing. It's just something about that passion and confidence that just oozes out of them and and gets on other people. That sounds like a weird way to say it. But anyway, it gets on other people and it's infectious. And so, you know, it's been a lot of fun to kind of just watch you online through social media and, and doing some really cool stuff. Now, do you remember who was on that panel at Dragon Con? I have no idea. Yeah. I should look it up at some point because maybe I know them now and I can be like, hey, you got me into board game design. Yeah, that'd be really cool if it turned out to be you know, Gil Hova or Jimmy Stegmar, you know, somebody like that that you could reach out to and be like, hey, you're the reason that this stuff exists now. That's really cool. But I love that whole mentality of it is just this simple uh, of just as simple as getting some note cards out, pushing some paper around on a table and you've got a game potentially but something, it, it's, it's also not that simple. You know, it's like, it's deceptively it not. Uh, not that simple. And so it reminds me of a Neil Gaiman quote, you know, just one of the most prolific writers ever, just one of the best writers of all time, in my opinion. And he talks about writing and he says, writing is simply sitting down and putting one word after another. It's just that easy and it's just that hard. And it's the same kind of thing with game design. It's, it's putting components one after another or mechanics or theme, whatever, one after another. It's just that easy, but it's just that hard. And so the hustle is what's going to get you to the finish line. So let's talk about that. How would you define hustle? What is that in your mind? Just getting things done, like sticking to it, getting all the things that you want done and making it happen, I guess. Okay, that's a really I'm getting stuff done. That's, that is the hustle, no matter what it takes. And sometimes that means not getting enough sleep, and sometimes that means putting other things on the back burner for a while so you can focus on what matters. And something I've uh, heard you talk about in the past is like prioritizing and making sure you're focused on what matters. And so let's talk about all the different things you're doing right now. All right, because I made a little list. You're not only designing games, but you're also managing the playtesting. You're putting together Kickstarters. You're making sure all the publishing is taken care of. You're going to conventions. What else are you doing? Did I miss anything? Is there anything else you're doing? Uh, I think that's it. Well, like, I'm designing more than one game at one time and trying to, like, think about, like, okay, uh, what game designs are we going to take on for the future? So I'm kind of keeping that in mind. Right. So you've been looking out to the future and going, okay, and what's next after this one and that one? And then let's look down the road. That is a ton of stuff to keep straight. How do you keep it all straight? 
So my main system, I use a system, and it's called Zen to Done. Uh, it's like this super tiny book. It's also a blog, and it's a system of 10 different habits, and it says, you know, read the habits, choose which ones you want. Um, it's not very strict, which I like. Um, it's related to getting things done. If you need something really strict that will make you do things, I would suggest getting things done. But Zen to Done is just... Here's some habits, use the ones, get things done. So I'll talk, go through like a couple of the things I use from get Zenda done. Um, yep. So the first one is just to, habit one is collect. Uh, write down all the things. <laughs> if you can't do it right now, write it down. Okay? Because you don't want to forget it. If you forget it, then that's, you know, you lost it. Like, that's so sad. Um, if you had a good idea... It's gone now, and you have to think of it again, and that's really hard. So what I do is, like, I have this folder of all these game designs, and sometimes it's just, like, a name of a game or, like, a, a theme, or it could just be this whole long, like, this is all of the game. And you want to write down everything so that you can get it out of your head. You can stop thinking about it, and you can focus on something else. And also, if you have, like, a list of tasks to do, you don't have to think that hard. Like, thinking takes time, and, like, sometimes, like, I can't do it. It's just, I go to my list, and I'm like, okay, what's the first thing? I'll do the first thing, and it's just all mechanical. And, you know, it's so much easier when you don't have to, like, think. Yeah, for sure. Now, how did you, let's back up just for a second. How did you find Zen to Done? Did somebody, like, tell you about this? How did you find this system? So, for a long time, I, like, really wanted motivation. So, I... Like, and during my job, I'm a software engineer, and my boss was like, hey, you have to read this book. And I'm like, eh, I don't, I'm not good at the reading of books. <laughs> well, like, I can read, like, a science fiction book, sure. But you want me to read this, like, textbook thing on Agile? Like, that's not good. So I was like, you know, the best way to do this is if I'm held accountable by other people, so I'm at a book club. Okay. And I made a book club and we read that book and then we kept on reading different books. And that one of the things I wanted is I wanted to be motivated. So I was like, hey, guys, what book suggestions do you have for motivation? And somebody said Zenda Dunn. So I was like, okay, we're going to read this. And I've been reading books for two or three years that way. And, you know, so I've gotten a bunch of habits based on that and, like, just learned a variety of things because I read so many books. Yeah, and so you basically created a system to help you read books, right? You created the book club. This is one thing I've, I've talked to people in the past before that they tell me, you know, I want to be more motivated. I want to be more inspired. I wish I had more motivation. I, personally, I feel like motivation is made up. I feel like it's an imaginary idea that doesn't exist in the real world. I feel like motivation is really just systems and holding yourself accountable to doing the work. The best writers ever held themselves to a schedule, and they said, you know what, every morning at 5 a.m., I'm going to write from 5 to 8, or whatever it was. And every day they showed up, and they sat down at a typewriter or their keyboard, and they just started writing. And maybe a lot of it was garbage, but out of the garbage came some of the best works ever written, right? Some of the best books of our times came because somebody just kept going, kept doing it. And they didn't wait for motivation, because if you wait on motivation, you're never going to get things done. So I think it's really cool you created a system that now led you to some really cool other systems with this whole Zen to Done thing. 
And what do you use as far as uh, writing things down? Do you have like some digital things? Like do you use Evernote like for ideas? Like when you have something just real quick on your phone, like what do you use to like, make sure you capture all those ideas? So for just notes and stuff like that, I use just the notes app on my phone um, or my email. I email myself a lot of things. Yeah. But um, as far as my to-do list, um, I use Todoist and I love it. I absolutely love the app Todoist because it's on desktop but it's also on mobile and uh, it works with multiple people too. So if you're a part of a team or if you're doing something with somebody else, you can assign them tasks. You can assign them tasks on certain dates. You can do reoccurring things. Like I have a bunch of reoccurring things of all the stuff I have to do every day. And like you said, like motivation is hard, but if you just say like, oh, I have to finish this list of things, then it's easy. Like you don't, like think about it you just do the things because that's what you do yeah for sure now do you have things broken up into categories like things more for publishing more for design conventions do you have it kind of organized that way or what do you do uh so i do a variety of things for conventions they always have their own folder um because there's you know a convention is going to be like two to five days and that's going to be like very intense you have to get these things done so have it in a separate list um if I have like certain groups with people, like I'm working with people, those are in different ones. Uh, my day-to-day stuff is all in my giant to-do list. Like it's not a group. It's just, you know, this is today. Right. Get all these things done. Gotcha. Now, one thing I've heard some entrepreneurs, some big-time business guys talk about is they either will set up their to-do list for the day the night before, right? So it's like the last thing they do before they go to bed to kind of get ready to get a jump start on the morning, or it's the very first thing they do right when they wake up, just so, just so they kind of have the day already organized. Do you do that, or you just kind of, how do you do it? So I partially do both. So at the end of your day, it's really nice if you go over like, okay, this is all the things that I did during the day. And then you congratulate yourself. You're yeah. like, hey, I got done a lot of things. This is great. These are... Usually when you're going over and you're like, hey, these are what I did, you realize the things that you didn't do and you can add them to the list then. But then in the morning, usually things have happened. You know, you've gotten in emails and stuff. And the first thing I do is start going through my emails. And usually you get a lot of tasks out of those. That's actually the second habit of Zendadon is to process, is to try to like process all your email because you don't want all that weighing you down. Um, you go through and get rid of all the things like answer the emails that take like a minute to answer because you're in your email looking at it again would be, you know, that would take more time. Um, but if it doesn't take like two minutes, make a task for it. Just put it on your list, schedule it in. Like for the things that you like, if you're getting a reviewer information on something or you need to gather images or something like that, things that take a long time, schedule them. Yeah. But then the first task you've done is you've gone through your inbox. It's clean. You don't have to worry about it. You know, you start, you know, from a good point. Yeah. Those are some really good points. I want to unpack just a few of those. So one is you celebrate victories, right? You congratulate yourself. You, you, you allow yourself to pat yourself on the back, right? And I think that's so pivotal in maintaining your systems and keeping going. Cause sometimes it gets, it gets tough. And I know you've experienced that time where you just feel like, gosh, 
am I doing anything at all? Does any of this matter? You know, and I, I'm right there with you. He's like, man, is this, is this even worth it? All the effort that it takes. And so celebrating the victories, that's something I found just in life, you know, working with the homeless in Atlanta, that was something that any, any little victory we could celebrate, we celebrated, right? Because that helps them continue on to take that, that next step. And then adding things to your, your to-do list only if they deserve it. Like if it takes less than two minutes, just go ahead and do it. That's something I've seen a lot of people do. They go, oh, this is going to take me 45 seconds. I'm not going to put it on the to-do list. I'm just going to do it right now, and then it's done, and you don't have to worry about it. And a lot of that goes back to the email, right? If you can zero out your email. So we live in a time of just like notification craziness where everything sends you a notification. I've turned almost all of mine off because it's just such a distraction. But anytime you open your phone or your computer and you see that little red circle with a number on it, it's a distraction. And so if you can zero out those, I feel like it, it helps in a long way getting away from the distraction and being able to focus on what really matters. Now, do you have any kind of process for determining, okay, this is priority and okay, I can get to this two or three days from now. It's not a big deal. Like how do you determine what's right now and what's later? Uh, usually it should be pretty obvious. Um, if you can get it done in like five minutes, like, uh, it's nice to have a bunch of like five minute tasks so you can go and get rid of them all at the same time. So if it's really fast, just do it. Um, and then, like, if you don't have to have it done, like, if no one is waiting on you, then maybe push it off. Like, I really like to do the things like um, art directing. Like, uh, I'm working with an artist. His name is Tyler. And whenever he has anything, I do it right now. I look at it and I give him feedback because then he can just go. Right. You know? So, like, you don't want people waiting on input from you. And that's the same thing. Like, um, if anybody's waiting, just make them not wait so they can go and execute and help you out. Yeah, I think that's just incredible advice Advice from a from a business owner, a manager, a publisher. That's, that's huge. Or even if you're working on a co-design. Like, if you're working with somebody else and they send you some uh, feedback, maybe they ran a play test, maybe they got some new ideas, like, answer that as quickly as you can because now you're putting the ball in their court and you're letting them run as opposed to just having to wait on you. And I think that's, that's huge. Now, what, what's the next habit? What's the next thing in, in the Zenda done? Okay, it's do. Okay. Like, focus on one task at a time until it's done. Ignore the social media and just, just get it done, basically. Like, don't be distracted by anything like food or anything. Be like, okay, this task will take about 20 minutes. I'm just going to work on it. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's something I've, I've found is really good advice when you're working on a game design and you want to finish it focus on it like do everything you can on it and be careful because it's so easy to have a brand new idea that you get really excited about totally derail six months of work and maybe you've only got another month or so left of just really good development design work to finish a game or get it to a really good place and a new idea comes along and derails everything and so kind of how do you how do you process like when you hit a new idea and you're like oh man this is really cool and maybe this is better than the game I'm working on maybe not I don't know like how do you determine yeah I need to I need to put my game that I'm working on right now on the shelf for a little bit maybe give it some time to kind of simmer and work on this new idea or no I'm just going to put this new idea in the in the design folder and put that off to a later date how do you kind of determine when to make that call Well usually it's I'm well I've only designed fully two games. Um, I have, like, more that are, like, prototype Mm -hmm. ready. Um, So I was like, you know, this one is the one I'm working on, and I'm going to keep working on it until it's done and good, or I decided to pitch it. And I haven't decided to pitch anything so far. Um, 
But yeah, like just focus on that one thing. It's very important to like write down everything, of course, like what I said. Um, because if you don't get it out of your head, it's going to be distracting. Mm. Like all these ideas, these game design ideas, like you're going to think about that because you like that new idea. Because new ideas are so easy. Mm-hmm. Like you make all the initial decisions. Like what's really hard is getting the game from good to great. Like you have to iterate. It's hard. You have to listen to people tell you what they don't like. You know, like it's not easy like going all the all 100% way with a game. But it's so easy to go for the first 10%. Yeah, for sure. I think I think that's really the crux of the issue. That first five to ten percent is so fun and new and exciting, and it's it lives in your notebook or it lives in your head, and so you haven't really run into reality yet. You haven't run into that first play test when you find out that this game is the worst game ever made, ever <laughs> even conceived. Like I've done that. I was like, oh, this is the greatest thing in the world, and then finally, finally, finally made a prototype. And it's like, oh, this is crap. All right, I need to go back and work on the other thing I was doing. You know, can just get it out of your head. I think is really good advice and. And just realize, I think just realizing being aware of that first 5 to 10% and what it really is and not letting yourself kind of get deceived or get caught up in the excitement of it and understanding, no, finishing a game is really what it's about. It's not creating new games. Because there's a million million ideas running around right now. But there's really, you know, not that many incredible games. And so try to make an incredible game as opposed to just getting excited about new ideas. So I have a quote for that. Like I really like this quote, and it's um, there will be there will always be more good ideas than there is capacity to execute. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it's being aware of that and not letting the new idea be that brand you know shiny little object that takes all of your attention away from what you really need to be focusing on. All right. So what's the what's the next habit? Well, that's all the ones that I really had listed. Okay. Um, but we could go to uh, the next thing. So I also... Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, um, hold on. Hold on. In the oh. email, now you sent me one more. You said simplify was the next one. Yeah, but we kind of talked about that. So that <laughs> one is... I was going to skip it, but I won't now. Well, <laughs> um, it's uh, about not trying to do everything. Okay. Um, focus on the most important thing at a time. So like we said, like don't... Uh, get that game idea out of your head. Just focus on one or like focus on what is important. Like, because there's everything is really important, but like, you know, what's actually important. So focus on that. Yeah. Now, how do you simplify though, as a publisher or in the convention scene and all that, what are you doing to like kind of keep things simple? So you're not focused on things that don't matter. Uh, I tend to do that with my to-do list. Okay. Like, um, I have big transition periods in the to-do list. Like, um, the before Kickstarter list, it got so, my to-do list got so small. And then the Kickstarter started, and then it just went giant. Right. Like, don't focus on the thing until you need to focus on it. Um, but be aware of when you need to focus on it. Like, for a new convention, like, I don't know what I'm doing at Origins next year. But about two months before, I'm going to start, like, oh, this is what all the things I need to do to prepare for Origins. Yeah, for sure. I think timelines and, and creating schedules can go a long way in helping with that because otherwise it's, it's easy to go, oh, I guess I'll work on Origins for next year right now. It's like, well, is that, is that what you really need to be working on? Is that what's most important right now? And so if you're not creating a system or a timeline or a schedule, it can be easy to fall into that trap. As far as like outsourcing, what do you do? You talked about art direction and you know bringing artists in and all that. So you're not doing your own art. And so like, how have you found ways to like kind of outsource or bring other people in to help you simplify things so you're not taking on the full burden? 
So one of the things I do is if anyone ever says like, hey, Carla, if you need any help, just ask. Make a list of those people. They have offered to help you. They've done the the job for you. Like, so when you do need help, just go look at the list and be like, this person is might be willing to do something. Like sometimes people do offer to help and then they can't later on. But, you know, take advantage of people when they offer and be willing to ask for help. Like if there's something you don't know how to do, like me with naming things, like just post on Twitter, like ask for help. You know, like, just be open and honest with people and be like, hey, I am bad at this. And, like, people really like when you acknowledge that you're bad at stuff. So, I don't know. I read that in a book, too. Yeah, for sure. No, I think I think creating a list of people who have offered to help, it's great advice. I've had uh, – that's something I need to start doing. I've had a few people send me messages and say, hey, Gabe, I know you're working on this football game or this other game. Uh, if you ever need somebody to – to look at the rules, I've got a major, you know, I've got a degree in editing or you know writing or whatever, and so send it over. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll send it right now. I will send that to you right this moment, and just get your eyes on it, right? Just to help me out. Or if people say, hey, I, you know, if you ever need somebody to play test your game, okay, I'll send you the files right now, like immediately, and just to get people on on the team because you know if I can get ten people play testing it in, in different parts of the world, different parts of the country, and not just me here all of a sudden I've taken a huge leap in the game's development. And so I think, yeah, asking people for help or letting people help you uh, is just an incredible way to simplify things uh, all the way down. Okay, so that's the Zen to Done stuff. That's some really cool stuff. Now, what else are you using? You, you mentioned, what was it, four disciplines of execution. Now, what is that? Tell me more about that. So this is like a four-step plan on how to get your company working as it should. Uh, My company started reading it, and I kind of hate it in that sense, but uh, I did get some good tips out of it. Um, I don't know if I'd recommend the book because it has like so many words, and they like (laughs) beat you over the head with the concept. Uh Um, But the four disciplines are, um, one, focus on the wildly important, uh, act on the lead measures, Uh, keep a compelling scoreboard, and create a cadence of accountability. So when you're doing your wildly important goals, like there's only like one to three things that you could possibly focus on at one time that are actually wildly important. So these could be things like uh, creating more of a community or making a certain game idea into a great idea. Like you need to do that that thing and only that thing and then that once you acknowledge that that's your wildly important goal then you can think about okay i need to do this task but does it help with the wildly important goal right if your answer is no then like you can punt it to some other time yeah and i think it also gives you a really cool filter like when you've established or defined this is the wildly important thing i'm doing right now then it gives you a great decision filter to to look at every other decision and go, okay, is this going to help me with that goal or is it not? And that makes it much easier to say yes or no to things. And, uh, yeah, I think that's really cool. Yeah. So the second part is acting on the lead measures. So lead measures are things that you can actually uh, directly affect and they uh, influence um, the accomplishment of your goal. So they're not actually your goal. So, for instance, if you you want to create a great game, And your lag measure would be like, okay, what's the rating of the game? Is it 10 out of 10? Is it 9 out of 10? Or whatever. Like, you can't directly influence how great your game is. Like, you can't just add in, like, a bidding mechanism and be like, it got one point better. (laughs) Right. 
it'd be cool if we all knew the tricks to do that, but right. like you can't. But one of your lead measures could be play tests. Like just measure how many times you play test and be like super excited. Like every time you get to a one of five play tests, like, oh, you hit five play tests. Yay. You are making a better game. So, and then like celebrate again, like, okay, you made it to five, you made it to 10, you made it to 50. Like, you will probably have a much better game after 50 play tests than you will after five. Yeah, no, that's really good. And defining what that what that looks like, right? Because one thing that can be difficult is to define how do you measure a game getting better. And you can give playtest surveys and people can go one to five, what do you think? And that's, that's one way for sure. But I think just giving some very practical uh, measurement, like you're saying, playtests, or even like number of, number of hours that you like work on this thing and, and counting those hours and like really keeping track of the amount of time you're putting into something. That way you know, okay, I've put 50 hours into this game in the last month. It, it should be getting better. Like maybe not, but hopefully it is. And you're giving yourself ways to measure things. And then like, it also helps with motivation. Cause if yeah. you have like a graph or something and you're like, Whoa, I put 50 hours into this game. Like I'm fantastic. And so is this game. Right. Like, you just feel better about it, and you can, well, I see graphs, and I'm like, whoa, I need to keep going. I am motivated to continue because I can't let this graph down. Yeah, that's a great point. And we can even make it a, a game in and of itself. I, uh, I've got some apps on my phone that, you know, different things, like, like my, my Bible app. It lets me know how many days in a row I've opened it and read something out of the Bible. And, like, that just kind of makes me want to keep the streak going, you know? And so, like, if you do the uh, the the same kind of thing with game design and keep track of, you know, every day you work on something. This is something Jerry Seinfeld actually talked about. Uh, he had this big calendar that he would put up on his wall and it would be the entire year, January to December, every single day. And every day that he would work on comedy, trying to create new jokes, trying to work on his performance, work on his delivery, whatever, he would put a big red X on that day on the calendar. And he said his goal was to never miss a day for every single day to have a red X January through December that he would never miss one, that you would just keep the streak going as long as possible. And now he missed some, you know, some days, you know, being sick or traveling, events happen, whatever, where he would miss one. But he said the more he did it, the more motivated he got to keep doing it, right, and keep the train going, keep the red X uh, streak going. And so I think if you do that with your game design or if you're writing a book or any kind of creative process, I think it just gives you more and more drive to keep hustling and to keep working on that. Yeah, exactly. You have to gamify the game design. Yeah, definitely. Now, what was the what's the next one? So, lastly, you have to keep uh, accountability. Accountability is really important. So, every week, just go over all your lead measures. What did you do? What didn't you do? And make a plan. Like, okay, you have this wildly important goal. How did your lead measures affect it what should you do next week like make a plan of what you're gonna do and of course celebrate what you've done yeah for sure and then something you, you mentioned just a moment ago is having a scoreboard right knowing what a win looks like one thing that that makes sports so easy is that you know what winning is I have more points than the other team 
I win. There it is. It's just that simple. Uh, I, was, I was coaching basketball last night, this, this middle school group of guys that, that I'm coaching here at the school I'm working for. And the other team we were playing were massive. Like, these kids are like 25. Like, I feel like their kids were in the, in the audience cheering on their dads that were, like, allegedly in middle school because these guys were, like, six foot three in the eighth grade. And that's nuts. And so our team is much smaller. And I went up to our kids trying to give them a little, little extra, you know, energy, a little pep talk. And I said, here's the deal, guys. Being big doesn't win you games. Scoring more points wins you games. Right? And it just makes it easy. And so figuring out a scoreboard for your creative endeavor and defining this is what a win looks like. And so maybe it's, maybe it's having three pitchable games in the next six months. Like I want to work on three games. And I want to have them all finished in six months. And if I do that, I win. Right, and I'm going to celebrate, and we're going to, you know, be excited about that. Or I want to play test this game ten times in the next month. Right, but giving yourself a very specific scoreboard to know what winning is, because that gives you the opportunity to know when you're losing. Right, you say, well, I only got seven seven play tests in this month. Okay, well, I, I lost. Right, I, I lost this month, or I got eleven. Hey, I won, or I got fifteen. I won big, but it gives <laughs> you that that definition of winning, and I think that's so important to define that as you kind of try to accomplish these these goals okay so let's but let's go into accountability what are some ways that you kind of hold yourself accountable you talked about the book club earlier holding you accountable to reading what do you do to, to be held accountable for game design so my scoreboard is in Todoist and it's the number of tasks I've done and I look at it and I'll be like okay I am way like I did a lot more last weekend than I did this weekend. Therefore, I got to get more things done. Yeah. I have to, you know, maintain my my streak of productivity and, you know, just getting things done. Um, Like, I'm very competitive. Even, like, competing with just myself to be better than myself, like, it really motivates me and it kind of adds fun to it. Because, like, once I win, once I win the day, it's so magical. And then I'm like, yay, I did so much. And now I'm going to do more because I like, obviously I'm a winner. Yeah. Therefore I can keep going. Right. And winning leads to more winning. I think you look at the great sports teams, the daggum Patriots who beat the fight. Anyway, (laughs) uh, you look at that and they've created these systems, but they have more than that created a culture of winning. You know, I remember, uh, playing uh, when I was playing football at Auburn, we would get in halftime sometimes, and maybe we hadn't been playing very well, or maybe we're down, and we would look around the room and we'd go, "Wait, wait a minute, guys! Like, we're Auburn. Like that other team is not even an SEC team. Like, what are we doing?" And it was almost that realization: it's like we we come from a culture of winning. Let's let's get out there and act like it. And so, just kind of creating that culture in your design life, in in your systems, and, and what you're doing. But how do you? How do you manage doing like the really hard tasks and the easy stuff? Because you can't just always be focusing on the difficult, always on the hard. You're going to just burn out. You're going to get exhausted. So how do you kind of manage doing the things that are winning, but also doing the things that are kind of lesser so you kind of balance things out? So hard tasks are really hard. (laughs) And you only have a certain amount of motivation. So get them done like as early as you can in Mm. the day. Like once you go through your email, be like, okay, I'm going to do the hard task and I'm going to do it now. And it's going to get done because that's what I'm doing first. Like that is just the easiest way I found to go about it. Um, Yeah, because like there's certain things that are hard for everyone. 
there's going to be your hard task, get it out of the way, and then be happy that it's done. Like, I am always relieved when I get one of those done. And change it up. Like, don't do, like, three hard tasks in a row. Like, if you do, like, three really hard things, you'll be like, hey, I just, I can't do this anymore. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to go take a break. But if you do a hard task and then you do, like, five really small, easy tasks, like, I'm always ready to do another hard test because I'm like, I got all of these done. I'm now motivated enough to continue doing something hard. I think it's also important to understand your own personal psychology as well. Cause I have a feeling, well, I don't have a feeling I've, I've experienced this and seen this in other leaders and other people that run businesses and things is that our brains have a tendency to default to the lowest common denominator. And, and so if you give yourself the opportunity to do something easy versus something hard, you will, your brain will want to choose the easy way to do it, right? Whether, and you see this, you go like lift weights, you go work out at the, at the gym, you will see people like have really bad form and that's your body trying to figure out how to do it easier, right? Because doing it the right way is harder and really focusing on one specific muscle group is more difficult than allowing all these other muscle groups to help you, right? And so being aware that we have a tendency as people to default to the lowest common denominator. I remember when I was working, I was working at a church in Atlanta before I moved to Honduras, and there would be times where certain decisions would need to be made that only I could make. Certain things I just could not delegate. I couldn't have other people on the team help with that. I had to make these decisions or I had to do certain tasks, but they would be difficult. And my brain would almost like get so overwhelmed with different things I had to do that it would just go all the way down to the lowest common denominator. And there were times where I would find myself in the sanctuary of the church, straightening the chairs. Like I've got all these like really important things I need to do and decisions to make and, and all this stuff. And I would just like, like all of a sudden wake up and realize like, Oh, what, like, what am I doing? Why am I straightening chairs? This doesn't even matter. You know, but our brains will do that. And when we get overwhelmed, I think being aware of that and finding ways to make it simpler, like we were talking about earlier, I used to work for a guy that same kind of situation where he would have so many decisions that only he could make, but then he'd be outside cutting grass. It's like, would you let somebody else cut the grass? Like anybody on this team can cut grass. You need to go make these decisions, but he'd be overwhelmed. And so he would find himself doing things that didn't matter. And so figuring out how to manage the really difficult decisions, the difficult tasks versus like the really simple ones, I think is a, it's something that'll take you a very long way in the hustle and, and figuring out how to get things done. But again, let's go back to the accountability. What else can you do or what else do you do to be held accountable? Like, for instance, I had people that would come up to me. If I was in the sanctuary of the church, they'd come up and be like, Gabe, are you straightening chairs right now? I'm like, oh, shoot, yeah. Let, let, <laughs> let, me, go, let me go do what I need to do. Like, I had people in my life to kind of hold me accountable. Have, do you kind of have that? I mean, I know on Twitter, you, you post stuff on Twitter and people come in, they'll encourage you. and be like, you got it, girl, you keep going. <laughs> I think that helps. But anything else you found uh, that kind of keeps you going and, and focused on what really needs to get done? Uh, well, Twitter is is really fantastic, but um, yeah, I just have the the reoccurring things, and I have this need. I just have to make my list go, you know, so many tasks smaller. Like that's just what has gotten me through this. Like just one more step, and I can do it. It's really the systems that are now holding you accountable. Like you've created these systems that are holding you accountable. Yeah, like it's just. I have to have constant progress every day. Like that's just a decision that I made and I made it possible to do that. Like I made like this to-do list that had like such a variety of tasks. 
something I could get done every single day, regardless of the amount of time or if I could was feeling creative or not feeling creative. If my brain was working, like some days your brain just doesn't work. So you need something to do at that time. Like just if you start constant progress, like you just you have to continue. You just have to. Yeah. Now, what are some things? Give me some examples of things you do on those days when you don't feel good, you're tired, your brain doesn't work right. What are some of the things that you kind of task off or, you know, put on those kind of days? So stuff like cutting out prototypes. Okay, like a prototype takes so long to cut, but it's, you know, you don't need any brain power. You just need to cut along the lines. Yeah, I know what you mean. The other night I was I was exhausted. It's been a long day. I came in. And I, did, I wanted to do game design. I had scheduled it. I like really was excited about it until the day happened. And I was like, this is not going to be good. My brain is just cooked. But I, got, I came in and I was like, what, you know what? I need to put a bunch of stickers on a bunch of dice. And I'm just going to do that. And that takes no brain power. It takes no creativity. But it has to get done because you can't do a, pro, a play test without it. And so I'm just going to do that. And I think it's this is something I've heard different athletes, different business people talk about. is just get 1% better. If you can just find a way to get 1% better, 1% closer to your goal, do that. And maybe it's cutting, cutting out cards. Maybe it's putting stickers on dice. Maybe it's sitting down and really reworking a mechanism that takes a ton of brain power, a ton of energy, and it's more than 1%. But at the, at the very least, figure out ways to do 1%. And Because 1 is greater than 0. 1 is infinitely greater than zero you're, you're you're running laps around people that are sitting on the couch you know and so just finding ways to do one percent any other uh ideas as far as like what one percent looks like in a game um it could just be getting on facebook or getting on twitter or messaging people because as a game designer you actually have to have like a following and stuff like that so yeah. like just get on twitter and start responding to people like it shouldn't take that much effort to like look at somebody's like happy status and then be like yay i'm happy for you that's kind of a no brainer like you should be happy for others when they succeed so like i go and i do that but like it creates relationships with people like you go through and you just if they have a question and it's easy like do you like a or b a for this reason and you have helped them out um that always makes me feel better when i'm like going and i find somebody that needs you know some easy thing to do and you can help them and you know you might not be able to work on your thing but you know you you did something for somebody else yeah i think that's that's just incredible advice for anybody that's that's working on a game right now if you don't have a following people aren't going to buy it. Like there's so many games right now. You just have to build up a fan base. You have to build up awareness. I won't say hype, but awareness of your game. And the way to do that is to help people is to answer questions, get on board game geek and, and comment, make, you know, get on board the board game design forum and answer people's questions. Get on one of the Facebook guilds. And when somebody says, Hey, do you like this red thing or this blue thing? Oh, I like this blue thing. And that takes like zero effort. That's, but they, at the same time, that can help you towards your 1% of what you're trying to do and then you also learn stuff because you can see like oh they're trying to decide between these two things like what would i choose why would i choose that you know and you get to like if you never thought about doing that then you'd be like oh when i have two things i can't decide between i'm gonna do the same thing yeah and i think it really comes down there there's two there's two angles of this you can either uh, be a ladder climber or you can be a ladder builder 
in these scenarios. And when you're climbing the ladder, that's you're working on your game, right? You're asking questions about your game. You're playtesting your game. You're trying to make it better. You're trying to climb that ladder to success of what you're trying to make your game. But then there's ladder building, and that's when you're helping other people climb that ladder for their games. You're helping them with their playtesting, their, their art choices, their design uh, challenges and all that, and you're building ladders for other people. And one for one thing, building ladders gives you more fulfillment, honestly. Like when you're helping people, when you're helping them accomplish what they want to accomplish, you usually get more fulfillment out of it than you accomplishing something for yourself. And so I think that's one thing to also kind of keep in mind. But get online and help build ladders for other people because that's going to that's gonna come back. Like I don't buy into the whole like karma, like good things happen to people who do good things. I don't buy <laughs> that. But I do buy that generosity reciprocates. And the more that we give, the more people are inclined to give back. And so just being aware of that. Yes, exactly. Like if you can't – like if you can just help out people, like it, they'll probably offer to help you out in an in exchange like it's not really an exchange because you didn't anticipate right. them uh, saying that they'd help you out but like it just gives you the good feels like you feel good after you do it you're like hey i help somebody you know uh, making somebody else's day better is always a great thing yeah for sure and it might just come down to you know you help them and then six months later for your Kickstarter, they, they got a copy of your game. Or they shared your game a whole bunch of times on Facebook or whatever. But there are so many ways that we can give back to each other. That's one thing I love about the game design industry and this whole like niche area that, that we enjoy and that we're passionate about is that there's so many incredible people willing to help, willing to help build ladders for each other. And it all just kind of works together. It's just like really cool ecosystem. It's like how they say a rising tide raises all ships. Exactly. That is a... That's a really good way to put it. And it, and it does it. The more we try to build ladders uh, for other people, the more the tide rises, the more everybody wins. Now, any, any other tips or tricks or advice, anything you've learned that you can, you can share? Okay, so um, you're going to have, like, all these no-think tasks, but you're also going to have, like, all these things, like, that you have to think about. So, um, for example, whenever I'm folding laundry, I have this thing I have to think about, like, um, how did the last play test go? Like, what did that person really mean when they gave that feedback? And that's what I'm thinking about when I'm like folding laundry, like make all of your time matter yeah. because you're going to have to think about it. You're going to have to do like some hard thinking. So you might as well get like some other tasks done while you're doing it. And that includes like, listen to a podcast on the way to work instead of music, like find out more about the community like learn more things like whenever I'm driving into work I'm usually listening to either this podcast or breaking into board games or you know a board game business podcast that's another good one like mm -hmm. make the most of your time and that goes into another one which is make sure to schedule in your learning like you need to get better everyone needs to get better it is possible to get better than what you are so um, you can be more efficient so Read a book, read blogs, podcasts, whatever. Fit in the, the kind of learning that you want, but make sure to schedule it in because it has to be scheduled in. No, that's great. I think redeeming your time is so pivotal in getting better. You know, the, the old, I don't know how old it is, but the, the idea that it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert, and that's 
it's a metaphor. It's not necessarily a specific 10,000 hours, but I think the, the metaphor holds true in that it just takes a long time to get really, really good at anything. And so if you can find ways to redeem that time while you're folding laundry, while you're driving in your car, while you're mowing the grass. Some people have told me about how they listen to this podcast while cutting the grass. I think that's amazing. That's awesome. Because you could be listening to music. You could be just pondering life's great mysteries, or you could be like trying to get better at what you want to get better at. And so I think finding ways to redeem that time is a really good, uh, really good advice. But let's also talk about ways to relax because you can't, it, it can't be all hustle, right? You can yeah. hustle yourself to death, right? And you can get exhausted. So how do you find time to step back from the grind, from the hustle and to just kind of enjoy what's going on? So one of the things I do is uh, every other Tuesday I have a board game night and I just play board games all night. Um, it's open to the community. So I get to, you know, meet people and stuff like that, but it may, it changes things up. And I, I know that I'm going to play board games every two weeks. You know, some weeks, like, I, I try to do more games than that because it's really good to actually play lots of games. But, you know, if you have something where it's like, you know, there's no chance you're not going to relax, um, that's what I like about it is I know every second and fourth Tuesday I am going to be at game night. That's what's going to happen regardless of what all the stuff I need to get done is. Yeah, for sure. And now what are some of the ways you celebrate victories? Like, do you have like a favorite food? Do you have like, do you go out and, and, and go to a movie? Like, do you treat yourself to certain things? Like, what are, what are some things that you do to go, we win, we need to celebrate. Do you go to Chuck E. Cheese? Like, that's what we <laughs> do in Little League. We go to Chuck E. Cheese. Like, what do you do? Um, so I buy more games. Like, I don't let <laughs> yes. myself have Kickstarter time that often. But when I'm like, yeah, I got a lot of things done. I'm just going to go like browse Kickstarter and see something. And usually I find something like I am Mm -hmm. one of those super backers. So I allow myself to only buy games at certain times. I tried the whole like unplayed pile and only buying games then, but that was very sad for me. Um, I just, (laughs) I don't know. I like buying them and getting them, but um, I also like, you know, having game nights with friends, like actually going out, being social, that sort of thing. If I haven't gotten a lot done, I don't allow myself to go and be social with people. But, um, yeah, when I am like, yeah, I am doing great. I'm just going to go hang out for the night, not look at my phone, not, like, respond to Twitter and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's it's unfortunate we live in such a time of people justifying things by going, well, I'm going to buy this thing that I don't really need because I deserve it. It's like, well... Do you? Like, what have you done to deserve it? But I think when you, when you create the scoreboard, when you define what winning looks like, you can really go, yeah, I've earned this. I've earned this night. I have earned this new game from Kickstarter because look, look, I'm winning. look at my scoreboard. I am ahead. And so I think defining that and then holding yourself accountable, you know, having consequences or having rewards that kind of push you along, I think is just, just a really good way. It's, again, it's a system. It's creating another system to kind of help you get things done. Now, Carla, any other advice, any kind of closing thoughts or ideas? Oh, okay. Uh, make sure to like schedule in your social media time. Like, uh, schedule it in, get it done, and then get it out. Don't let it bother you throughout the day. Just, you'll probably like if you go back and look at my Twitter, you can figure out when my Twitter times are, where I'll just answer everyone, and then I'll be gone for hours. <laughs> yeah. So. Now, what's your Twitter handle if people want if, if people oh, want to find you? At Weird Giraffes. At S. Weird Giraffes, the name of your company again. 
good luck with Stellar Leap. It's already funded. You're into the stretch goals right now. Congrats on that. I'm excited to kind of see where that goes and to see what other games you're, you're coming up with. You've got some really interesting ideas and things you're working on. Uh, we're about to head over into a bonus round. We're going to get Carla's thoughts on how to run an effective play test. She's been working on play tests and running play tests for a while, so I'm going to get her thoughts and insight on that. You can check that out over in the bonus round. Carla, again, appreciate you coming on the show, and good luck with everything you got going on. It was wonderful being on. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at BoardGameDesignLab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?